The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the seventh chapter. Mark writes, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you too also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And they defile a person. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Well, dear saints, I have a question for you to consider. And my hope is that you not only ponder this question today as I proclaim Christ's words to you, but that it remains with you in a question that you come back to often, perhaps as a constant reminder. And that question is this. Is your salvation a destination, something you long for, something that you look forward to, something you hope to obtain? Or is your salvation something that you already possess, you already have, that has been obtained? Now, you know how this works. Last week, downstairs, we were talking about law and gospel. And I, I said, when I preach to you, you will get the law from me and I'll never leave you there. I'll always come with the gospel. I should have read the text for this week first. <laughs> In our gospel reading today, Jesus states that what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Defiled is a word used several times in the reading from the scripture text. And this Greek word for defile is kone. And its definition is to make common. Now, when I think of something like this, a word that I struggle to understand in its context, sometimes it's simpler to put that word in contrast, to think of what it means by what 
may be opposite of it. Common being something that is ordinary, average, maybe not special, not proper, not elected, not chosen, not victorious. Now, we are currently in a season in our church calendar that is referred to as the common time, the ordinary time, the many Sundays after Pentecost, Christ with us. The book of Ecclesiastes states that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Ecclesiastes 3.1. Be quick in your scripture text today. I'm going to be ripping them off. And how easy is it for us to hear this verse talking about everything, for everything there is a season, and not think of that popular 1950s song from the birds that states, to everything there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. Somebody can sing it. Turn, turn, turn. A time to laugh, a time to cry. As if everything has its place in our journey in this life. The ups and the downs, the good times and the bad, they all have their own purpose. But I tell you, we often misinterpret this scripture, these words used to create this pop culture song. You see, this season that we are in, this journey of life is not ordinary time of just going through the motions of wandering towards a destination, win or lose. But it is a time to give thanks. It is a time to be grateful for what God has already accomplished for you. What has been won for you through the work of his son, Jesus the Christ and him crucified for you. God has given us what we need to survive the troubles of this life. Those ups and those downs, the good times and the bad times. When every weapon that we bring to bear fruit fails or we cannot bring it to bear fruit quickly enough, there is faith, faith in Christ and what he has gifted us with. With faith, one is equipped to stand up to every circumstance. By faith, one is strong in weakness. Faith says, I cannot stand, but God stands for me. You see, this life is not merely a game, a race, a competition with a destination to be the first there, to win, to succeed in, but it It has been one. Your salvation is obtained and we are not facing an uphill battle, a mountain to crest. But we are at the top already. Victorious. And we have a distinct task. To remain there. At the top. More like a battle of king of the hill where we are constantly being tried and tempted, battled with and the evil foe is doing everything in his power to knock us down, to put us back at the bottom in the lowly, common and ordinary 
places. The battle, the war, well, it's all around us. We are in constant spiritual battle. And in the same way, war itself is all around us. We can't listen to or watch the news without hearing about war and conflict, especially over these last few weeks. Nations against nations, countries tearing themselves apart in civil war and the war against human life itself with violence in the streets and in the homes of our own nation. Now, in the Old Testament, we read of many wars. And in the New Testament, which we often think as this tame end to the Bible, St. Paul warns us of these spiritual battles that are taking place and Satan's war on the disciples of Christ. The reason for this battle It takes us back to the beginning of the scriptures. God created humans to live in perfect harmony, in concordance, in harmony and peace with him and with each other. He also created angels for the same purpose, but some of those angels rebelled and rejected God's love. These angels are known as unclean spirits, demons, devils, And their leader, well, is none other than the evil foe himself, Satan. Satan couldn't stand the love that existed between Adam and Eve and God. So he tricked the first humans into joining his rebellion by tempting them into sin, by overlooking God's word and eating the forbidden fruit. But that did not stop God from loving us. It meant the time had come for God to reveal how his love would save us from sin and win us back. God confronted Adam with his sin and Adam blamed Eve and then he even blamed God for his actions. Genesis 3.12, God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden so they could not eat of the tree of life and live forever in their wicked, sinful state, separated from God. Genesis 3, 22 through 24. Now, even in banishing Adam and Eve from the garden, God shows his love. He gave them clothes and blessed them with children and livestock, even while the war between humans worsened, Genesis 4, 1 through 4, God continued to draw people to himself. For in Genesis, we read about others calling on the name of the Lord. Satan's attack on God's people continues this day. He can't stand the love that God has for sinful humans. The love God has For you and for me. He wages war against us, attacking our faith by tempting us to sin, then accusing us of sinning, often making us think that our sin is unforgivable so that we lose hope and fall away from God. Adam and Eve could not win in their fight against the devil by their own strength, and neither can you or I. 
Paul reminds us of this in his epistle to the church of, the, of Ephesus, saying, be strong in the Lord, in the strength and in his might. Satan is master of his trade and he is far too strong for us. He has been tempting God's people into sin since the beginning. We won't win if we fight him. And the good news, well, the good news is that, well, we don't have to. The most important word that Paul speaks in this section of his letter is to stand. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Three times he tells us to stand. Why? Because the battle is not ours. The battle belongs to God. He sent his son to fight for us on our behalf and to win for us. In what looks like defeat, God's son in human flesh suffered and died on the cross. But any victory cry of Satan in his darkness was soon overcome. For on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. The risen Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father to rule over all things. Jesus has won the battle against sin, death, and the devil. And those who believe and are baptized in Christ Jesus receive his victory as their own. The separation between God and humankind is restored by the blood of Christ. Yet, living as a child of God is not easy. But it is not the stuff that we can see that poses our greatest threats. It is the unseen forces of evil that pose our greatest danger. Paul describes war this way. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. For our protection, Paul commands us to put on the armor that empowers us to stand against the schemes of the devil. God grants this armor to defend us and our faith. Now the picture here is of an occupying soldier, not a combat warrior. Warriors fight at the front line, battling the enemy and vanquishing them. Behind them come the occupying troops who live in the conquered territory and they establish order. Even the sword that the occupying soldier carries is seldom seldom used because the battle is over. Its main role is to signify that he has given authority by the new ruler to keep the peace. Another way to understand Paul's picture is to think of the guards at Buckingham Palace. The soldiers with the big fluffy hats and the bright red jackets. They are dressed in full uniform and carry a loaded weapon, but they rarely use it. The armor of 
God is not designed to resist physical enemies. It won't keep a cold at bay or stop even a bullet. The armor that we have is spiritual, given to protect all all who are God's children from spiritual attackers. The belt of truth. Satan is the father of lies. He creates doubt. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. The truth is that Jesus has won the battle for us. The devil has lost. The truth is that through our baptism, we are counted as winners with Jesus. These truths overcome the lies and the doubts that the devil creates. The breastplate of righteousness. A soldier's breastplate covers His vital organs, our hearts. And we are covered with Christ's robe of righteousness given in baptism and held in peace by faith. Trust what God does through his word and his water. In Christ, we are a new creation with new hope. Children of God, temples of the Holy Spirit. As shoes for our feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, ironically, it is faith in the gospel message of peace with God that both brings us under attack and overcomes that attack. If Jesus had not died for our sins, we would still be under Satan's control. But Jesus did give himself into death and rise again. And because we follow Jesus, we come under attack too. The gospel prepares us for the battle and sustains us in it. Because the good news is that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans eight thirty nine. The shield of faith. Now, in biblical times, arrows were often dipped in tar and set afire. Roman soldiers, they soaked their leather-covered shields in water to extinguish the flaming arrows. And this is an allusion to the refuge that we have in our own baptism, where we are soaked in God's Grace. We can use the faith that we have been given to resist the devil's attacks. Share in the divine service and receive God's grace in the spoken word and his sacrament. Read, study, and pray God's words. In the large catechism, Luther pleads, if you could see how many knives Darts and arrows are at every moment aimed at you. And this is from Ephesians 6.16. You would be glad to come to the sacrament as often as possible. The helmet of salvation. God has granted us salvation and the crown of life. That's James 1.12. Granted. And I like that there, the the crown of life that ties in that king of the hill, right? We're up there on our throne already. 
and he will not let us fall from grace. The sword of the spirit. The sword is the word of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in the word of God and comes through the word to bring us to life. In the word, the spirit assures us of God's grace and mercy, and he grants us power to resist the devil's temptations. Think of how Jesus uh, resisted Satan's temptations with only the word of God. Luke 4, 1 through 13. Think of how his word combined with water, bread and wine grants us life and salvation. Praying at all times in the spirit means to pray to God according to his word. Call on God to keep his promises to walk with us, to save us and to bless us. The spirit also prays for us when we are weak and do not know how to pray. Romans 8, 26 and 27. We might wonder just how we can fight against the devil as if we're here doing nothing. We're just standing still. Remember the image of the occupying soldier at watch. If a skirmish broke out, he would send word to the combat troops, to the special forces to come and restore peace. His job is to be alert at watch. And so too, when we come under attack or know that someone is going to be attacked, we call on Christ to come and drive away the devil. The talk of cosmic powers, present darkness and spiritual forces of evil can create fear in our hearts and in our minds. Fear that we will be crushed. Fear that Jesus is not strong enough. But those fears are not based on the truth. Sure, the battle is real, but so is the outcome. Jesus is one. We are saved. Eternally, the devil is defeated. Even if he does cause Jesus' disciples much trouble now. Just as God has prepared hell for Satan and his devils, so has he prepared heaven for those who are covered in Christ's robe of righteousness. God grants his grace in his word and his sacraments to strengthen us, to keep us standing, to remind us of his victory, to support us in his love. These are the means of grace by which he sends his spirit to us. Rest in Christ, the conqueror. He has defeated Satan in the darkness. He is taking care of the evil powers and the cosmic forces. God gives his armor to protect our faith in Christ so that we will not fall for Satan's schemes. And if we do stumble into temptation and sin, God waits ready to forgive and to restore us. The risen Christ once said to Paul as he struggled in his weakness, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is more perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So stand with Jesus and his victory. Stand as the king of the hill with Jesus as your rock. Stand on that rock 
when temptation comes. Stand with Jesus on that evil day. These are not ordinary times. You are not common people and you should not defile yourself. For everything there is a season and a reason to give thanks to God for Christ and him crucified for you. Salvation is not your destination, but it is your reward. It is your inheritance. Your salvation has been won. You are chosen and you can remain steadfast in your election. We can stand firm in faith that God will protect us by his all conquering son. Stand with Christ. Where else can we go for protection and peace? He has the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. And may that give you peace. May Christ and his word be your armor. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.